Like I said, I've been really excited about what God's been doing uh, at the church and, and on, on the vacation. Before I even left, I'd been praying about the fall and asking God to show, you know, what he wants us to do as a church. And uh, I got a, a book, uh, several books actually, and, and uh, I felt really led to this one book and read it and really enjoyed it. And uh, I felt very called to, that we needed to focus on prayer and faith in the fall. And I, and I really felt called that we needed to, as a church, in, starting in January, so put this in your mind, uh, do a 21-day fast. What that looks like, it could look different for everybody, depending on your health and different issues, but, but I felt God calling me to that. Like, that's what we should be doing. So on this trip, I was praying for confirmation, seeking the Lord on it. And um, we, we, we visited a church in New Orleans last week. And when we got there, the pastor said, um, today is the beginning of our 21-day fast we're doing. And we're going to be focusing on prayer. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it was just a wild, wild thing. And, uh, and after the church, I, I, I said to him, you know, I'd never heard of this book till someone mentioned it to me, but have you heard of this book? And he goes, oh, yeah. That's actually the, the we're non-denominational church, but we're associated with that movement. We're a part of that stream. So I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> that was interesting. So in a, in a very profound way, a book I'd never heard of before, which I felt would be good for us to do, and, and an idea of doing a fast, asking God for confirmation, boom, boom. It was, uh, it was a wild situation. So God is moving. God is doing really neat things, even when it's not... Um, in your face and exciting, like, oh, 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 you know, even if it's sleepy, God's doing good things. Even after a 14-hour car ride yesterday, God's doing great things. Uh, we went all the way up to uh, Louisiana and back in the car, and all of our kids came back with us, which is really, really, really interesting. So we're thankful for that. So we're going to be looking at briefly today uh, Acts 18, 1 to 11. And I really hope that today... Uh, that this, the thoughts that, that I have for you will encourage you in your faith. Uh, I, as, as we were away, I was praying to God and asking him for a word for today. And as I went through this passage, he highlighted something to me uh, that I'd like to share with you. So we are in Acts 18. It says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Now, something you need to know about Corinth. It's past Greenfield... You keep driving, and uh, but before Luzerne. Oh, that's Corinth. We have some Corinthians here, actually. Uh, um, the, uh, the Corinthian church is a pretty rough crowd. So where are the Corinthians in the house? There they met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas, Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. 
and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack you and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. We're going to stop there today. And I, I've been thinking since about the last message I preached to you uh, before we headed out to our, our family trip. And I talked about how troubling a thought it is uh, from Matthew 13, 58. Do you remember the story of Jesus in his hometown? And it says, Jesus didn't do many works there, many miracles, because of their lack of faith. And so we asked the question, was Jesus some sort of um, novice? Did he not know what he was doing? Was he not the perfect son of God? But Jesus was prevented from doing many things there because of people's lack of faith. Does that disturb anybody? Jesus, who has all authority in heaven and earth, was not able to do many things because people lacked faith. Let that sink in. Think about your own life. Is it possible that Jesus wills to do a lot more things than he actually gets done in this world? I think it is. So Matthew 13, 58, and, and we, we looked at Paul in Athens, and he was preaching to the Athenian people. He preached his best sermon. It was smart. It, it incorporated all of their thinking and local philosophy, had amazing illustrations. It was his best sermon ever. Like two people came to God through that sermon. So was Paul a failure there? There was a lack of faith in that place in Athens. People didn't believe uh, in God, and in fact, they had philosophies that were built up uh, that were contrary to God. And in a sense, when they heard about uh, Paul's message that God was the creator of the world, the one God, and that he'd sent his son Jesus, and that Jesus was the judge of all the earth, uh, Jesus was the authority, that he, was, that he was the good God of creation, and calling creation back to himself, they laughed. Their lack of faith took the form of cynicism, Cynical, like, you know, we've, we've heard it all before. This is one more stupid thing to throw on our fire and make fun of. And they actually were violently opposed to Paul. So not much happened there because of people's lack of faith. In, in other places where Paul went, he mostly preached to crowds of people called God-fearers. A God-fearer was someone who was not Jewish by birth, but they respected the God of the Jews. And so they were, they were Gentile, and they respected the God of the Jews, and they maybe prayed, and sometimes they stood outside of the temple and worshiped God privately, but they weren't allowed to go in uh, to the temple. But they feared God. And when Paul preached to a crowd of God-fearers, he'd win thousands of converts because they were people that had faith. The there's a centurion in the Bible that uh, believed Jesus' word when, he said, uh, when Jesus said he would heal his daughter, Jairus. And he believed Jesus' word that he could heal his daughter. And in fact, he said, you don't even have to come to my house because I'm 
a person in authority. I'm, I'm in charge of soldiers. I tell a soldier to do, to do this, and he does it. I tell someone to go to this place, he goes there. I know how authority works. You have authority. I've heard about your miracles. You don't have to come. Just say the word, and my kid's going to be healed. And it says that Jesus was amazed at his faith. But he'd never seen anything like it. Someone made a big jump from their own personal experience uh, and said, you, you can do it. I know how this works. So Paul won tons of people like that to Christ who, ha- who, who had some faith. But in Jesus' hometown, they said, who is this guy? We know his parents. We know his brothers and his sisters. Who does he, th- he think he is? You know, he, could, he couldn't do much there. They didn't have faith. Uh, and in Athens, again, it was kind of like a mocking of faith. Um, this was the water that people in, in the time of Acts swum in, you know, the cynicism. Uh, the air they breathed was lack of faith. And to tell you the truth, that's kind of the stream that we're in too these days. Faith is not something that is very, faith in God and belief in God is not something that is very favorable to most of the world. Uh, it's, it's made fun of. Um, it's, it's something that people don't necessarily have a lot of in, in reserve, faith. Um, and even in our church, I'm not sure how great our faith is and what God could do. I don't know. Uh, I know that God can do a lot more uh, amazing things than we've seen. And I think he has yet a lot more for us to experience. But we are the type of people in this church, in Saratoga, upstate New York, you can name any, any place, but we're the types of people who try something in faith. And when we don't see the results we are looking for or hope for, we resign ourselves to our faith. <laughs> we just resign ourselves and kind of roll over. We give up. We lose faith. faith we lose heart. We stop praying. And sometimes we even take offense at God because we feel that he doesn't care, hasn't hurt us, and won't answer us. So we, we roll over and die, or we take offense, but we lose faith. We're people that are, are very much like that. But I believe that God has something much better for us than a faithless, resigned, or rebellious, lifeless religion like many people go through on Sunday mornings. If we only will believe in his great goodness his love for us, and his power, and increase our faith in him. And I do believe that if we believe and trust in God uh, more, that he will be able to do more things among us. I think it's as simple as that. And this is not a prosperity gospel. This is not a name and claim it message, uh, if you're familiar with such things. This is trust and belief in God's goodness and his power. Faith moves the heart of Jesus to release the power of God. There's a quote that I read in the book this week. Faith moves the heart of Jesus to release the power of God, and lack of faith limits what God can do in a certain context. Faith creates an atmosphere where things happen, and lack of faith creates an atmosphere where things don't happen. And it isn't because God can't or doesn't know what he's doing. Because we see Jesus certainly had all authority in heaven and earth. Uh, And he wasn't able to do miracles in his hometown. In John 14, 12 to 14, it says, 
Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And I read this, this meditation from Andrew Murray this week on this, on this verse, and he said, How many a believer has read these words with joy and hope and in deep earnestness of soul and has sought to plead them, to beg for them in his own need, but came out disappointed? The simple reason was this. That person had torn away the promise from its surrounding. The Lord gave the wonderful promise of the free use of his name with the Father in connection with the doing of his works. It's the disciple who gives himself wholly to live for Jesus' work and kingdom, for his will and honor, to whom the power will come to appropriate the promise. The person that would grasp that promise from Jesus when he wants something very special for himself will be disappointed because he would make Jesus the servant of his own comfort. But to the person who seeks to pray the effective prayer of faith because he needs it for the work of the master, to him it will be given to learn it because he has made himself the servant of the Lord's interests. Prayer not only teaches and strengthens to work, work teaches and strengthens to pray. And that's Andrew Murray. It's the disciple who gives themselves wholly to live for Jesus, is surrendered to Jesus, and is consumed with the interests of Jesus and his kingdom, for Jesus' honor and his will to be done, for whom the power of God to ask anything in his name uh, will be given. The message I'm bringing to you today is a very simple one. When we do not see an answer to our prayer, or the results of our hope and our faith. We are not to lose faith and say, I guess God isn't there, and I guess that God doesn't care, or he can't do it. This is a time when we need to redouble our efforts and come into, uh, into this intense relationship with God, which I know is very um, a scary thought, and ask the question, um, do I believe that God can do this? Is this according to his will? And to press on in faith. Jesus told a parable in Luke 18 where he said the purpose of telling the parable was so that people would believe and not doubt. That, that people would pray and not give up. But I think so, I'm just trying to encourage you. So many times people in the culture that we live in, we pray, we don't see the results we're looking for, at least not right away, and we give up. We stop praying. We lose heart and we resign ourselves. And church is full of people that are resigned to their fate. People who love God, they, they love God, they're going to stay faithful to God, but they're kind of dead inside because they've resigned themselves to, you know, I guess God doesn't hear from me. And they're, and they're injured. But God wants us to continue to press and not give up. What God, the word that God gave me from this passage and I love, I just think reading Acts through this, through this lens of like faith and what faith looks like is a really interesting lens. It's what I've kind of used to look at this passage. The, the only thing I want to highlight in this passage is Paul goes into the synagogue and he preaches to the Jews like day and night, preaching, 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 bam, bam, bam. And not only do, do they not listen, they take offense at him and they're kind of like coming to, you know, we see where this is going. 
It's about to become violent like it usually does when Paul is in this situation. We've seen Paul get stoned and beaten and almost killed uh, by, by groups like this. <clears throat> so did Paul lose heart in that situation? Well, the really interesting thing about Paul is that he didn't lose heart. He actually just went next door. <laughs> this is the word that I think God has for us who are, who are wavering in our faith and our belief in God and who have maybe resigned ourselves to our fate or maybe even have rebelled against God and said, I'm going to go the other way because you stink. You stink and you're not good and I'm done. But I'm still going to sit in church. I think God would say to that person, go next door, because that's what Paul does. Paul didn't let his faith get snuffed out by a bad situation. He shook his coat. He dusted off his shoes. He said, this isn't my responsibility anymore. I'm going next door. And I'd never noticed that about this, but how uncomfortable would that be? If, um, if, if you know, here we are as a church, someone doesn't like something, like, I'm going to start a church next door. It's going to be called the, the Newer Life. <laughs> newer Life Fellowship. It's going to be more better and more cooler, and people are going to be more, you know, neat. But that's what Paul did. He, he went next door, and the result was everyone's faith increased. In fact, they opposed Paul. They became abusive. He shook out his clothes and said, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. Paul left the synagogue in verse 7 and went next door to the house of Titius Justice, a worshiper of God. And what happened? The synagogue leader, Crispus, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many other Corinthians believed who heard Paul's message and were baptized. He actually converted the, the, the synagogue ruler next door in the house next door. So the interesting lesson here is, did Paul give up on faith when people didn't listen and became violent towards him? He went, store, he went next door and said, I'm preaching to the Gentiles. The results were tons of Corinthian Gentiles came to God, and the synagogue ruler and his whole family came to God. Somehow, an environment was created where faith became possible, both for the people being preached to and for Paul. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is my groove. This is what I do, reaching people for Jesus. Go next door. And I think that this is the, the message that I think God has for each of us who has either resigned ourselves to a hopeless existence of, you know, I must not be God's favorite because he listens to everyone but me. And he didn't answer me when I had this big request. And I, I'm, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not being, you know, uh, insensitive to the fact that many of you have asked for things which seem to be in line with the will of God and you've labored for them in prayer, and you've had faith, and the answer has been, it didn't go the way that you wanted it to. And there's an, there's an injury in your heart. And so there, there's something that has snuffed out faith in your life. You used to be, have a lot of faith, but there's something very painful that's happened. The, we're, what we're talking about today is blocks to faith. It's either unbelief, it's either caused by resignation, by rebellion against Jesus, or just the wounds that we incur in life as we are disappointed by God. Um, and he answers differently than we had hoped. And his will turns out to be different than we wanted it to be. That's hard. That's hard. But so many of us are such nice people and good people who love God that we're not going to stop going to church just because we don't have faith anymore. We keep coming to church. And we're left with our grief, with our disappointments, with our resignation, and maybe even some private rebellion that no one even knows about. Just to... But God, that, God has something better for us. 
Whatever your situation, I think God's word is go next door. Wherever you are right now, not, like things aren't working, things aren't happening. How in your life can you just go next door, make an adjustment to change things up in such a way that you create an environment for faith to flow again in your life, for belief in God? Because God said, you know, when you're in line with him and you're, and you're working for his kingdom and you're following him and you're invested and you're surrendered, ask me for anything, he says. <laughs> ask anything. And we see clearly that God could do more things in, in one, some places than other places, depending on the level of faith. So what adjustment do we need to be made for faith to rise in our lives? Uh, Stovall Weems wrote in his book, God is a filler, not a forcer. God will not force you to go next door. God will allow you to perhaps sit through a message like this before you've even thought about this. God's not going, but God's ultimately not going to force you to go in a different direction in order to nurture your faith. It's something that we need to do. But once we do it, God is a filler. God, when we make space for God, I firmly believe this, God fills us, and God enlivens our faith. So what does it mean for you to go next door? Have you resigned yourself to a faithless life because of disappointments? Are you injured because of God um, causing offense to you by not answering a prayer the way you wanted him to um, when it seemed like it was really the right thing and you don't know why he did this? Or are you in rebellion? You're just like, you know what? I'll show up. I don't really believe this stuff anymore. Whatever your situation, there's an invitation to come to Jesus. I'm going to invite Corey and the team up. There's an, there's an invitation to come to Jesus, to surrender to him, say, here I am, and to change, uh, change course to create an atmosphere in your life where you can believe in God again. Because there's a whole lot that we're missing out on that God wants to will and to do in our lives that's blocked by us simply not having faith for a variety of reasons. As we, put, as, we pray, as we play this song, I want to invite you, whether you've resigned yourself and given up on prayer, whether you have a, have a wound that has been, that has been keeping you from, from faith, or whether you are an act of rebellion to God, the answer is all the same. Surrender to him. Because in God's kingdom, the only way to really move forward in faith is to surrender to him. Um, to say, you know what, God? Here I am. You are good. I know this from the Bible. Technically speaking, you are good. I know, you, I know that you love me. Help me to move past this block so I can really feel your presence and walk in faith again. And God will take that prayer sincerely offered and he will show you how to go next door. He will show you exactly what you need to do to pull yourself out into a place where you can thrive again uh, where he wants you. So I'm going to be up here praying myself. And if you'd like to join me, um, we'll just pray for each other and we'll close out the service.